On this week's episode, Jess and I debate what season it is, we share our favorite Christmas music, and we talk about some of the uncomfortable truths about our salvation. All this and more on this week's episode of Goodwill Talk. Jess, you're a lover of all things Christmas, right? Uh, yeah, I, I do like Christmas. Yeah, a all lot. Right. Yeah. So, so what is the what is the Christmas music that gets played in the Kildeth household <laughs> during the Christmas it season? Like, who's what's playing the... it? We um, I really like in in my mind, Karen Carpenter. Or the Carpenters Christmas wow. albums All and right. the Amy Grant Christmas albums are like the epitome of Christmas music. Yeah, to me because that's what I grew up with. Like my that's what my parents listened to. Okay, in the house. So I mean, like obviously we listen to other Christmas music, sure. and I love sure. Christmas. But like to me, it's not Christmas until like I was sat in the car and listened to the Carpenters. The Carpenters. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm I'm a bit old school as well. So Christmas What's music yours? throws me back. Um, but like my dad. And my mom, the, my mom is into the Amy Grant, Sandy Patty type stuff, uh -huh. right? Like that's, that's very, I, I love it's of it. The, it's of the time. And in fact, I think it's Sandy Patty's Oh Holy Night. Is it oh, hers? Oh, it's pretty epic. She's the standard. Yeah. All right. Let's be very clear. People do a great job with Oh Holy Night. Sandy Patty. Yeah. Is the standard. Um, but now also it's, uh, it's Bing Crosby mm -hmm. and Perry Como. So like... Matt, That's the Christmas music. Matt, when he was in Florida a couple weeks ago, came home with records for me. And one of them was a brand new Perry no. Como Christmas record. New what? in the packaging. And oh. we and I did. I thought of you, actually, when we put it on while yeah. I was decorating the Christmas tree. And I was like, Marcos would approve of this. It's oh, happening right no now. no question. With the pops. It was excellent. The, it was oh, excellent. That's the good kids stuff. didn't even complain. It was that good. It, Perry they really, like, was it was, stud, it, was, man. It, was, it was entertaining. He was so good. Um, yeah. So I, and because of that, I've struggled with new Christmas music. I okay. haven't been able to find, because a lot of the stuff, yeah, I like, listen, all love to Mariah Carey, but I just don't care about the Mariah Carey song. Yeah. Um, I, I just, new Christmas music doesn't hit right, right for right. me. It's not like, it doesn't like stir the Christmas right. feelings. I also end up looking for more adventy kind of like minor key type of music. Mm -hmm. um, so it's either Perry Como, Bing Crosby, that kind of crew, uh, Amy Grant, Sandy Patty, all that's good stuff. I, I can get on board with the Pentatonics. They're yeah. a good listen. I can get on board. My wife really loves them, so I, I can do that. Uh, but I found I found music, Jess. Yeah? I found music that I think you might like. What is it? It is. I'm always, I like all music. I really well, it's it's a it's a band that. Um, so when I was in San Diego for college, mm -hmm. this is two thousand eight two thousand no sorry two thousand four to two thousand eight. I get confused as to when this is. So I was in college from two thousand four to two thousand eight. Okay. Um, there was a band that did a um, a nightly service, a sa Sunday night service called Flood. And it was this massive like worship concert every week with somebody would come out and preach, right? Okay. So it was kind of like youth group on steroids for college age kids. Okay. All right. And the band, the house band was called something like Silas, and they broke up during my time there um, and became Future of Forestry, which is a band that I kind of knew was out there because of my connection to San Diego. Okay. Future of Forestry has continued making music for the last, I don't know how many years, and I didn't realize they were still around. But three years ago, they put out a uh, seven-song Christmas album called The Light Has Come, 
Christmas. And this has gotten me listening to a lot of other Future Forestry stuff, by the way. They're pretty good. But this album, I listened to this a couple so days it's ago. The Future of Forestry? That's the name of the band. It sounds like a terrible class you have to take in college. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently it's it's based on a C.S. Lewis poem oh, okay. called The Future of Forestry. But I, I don't, I've never read the poem. Um, but it's called The Light Has Come, colon, Christmas. Okay. Um, and it's seven songs, and they do back-to-back Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and I Wonder As I Wander. Ooh, both of those. Excellent. Man, like they do some original stuff too, which is actually pretty good. Um, But then you get that back-to-back, track two and three. Oh, man. Have to give that a listen. Like I was just puttering around the house, and I was was doing dishes. The dishes had started to pile up, so I'm sitting Mm -hmm. there doing dishes. I'm like, I'm going to listen to some Christmas music while I do this. And this album had popped up. I'm like, all right, let's try it out. And I hit song two and three, and I'm like, oh, these dishes are great. <laughs> I'm into the dishes today. Music so good. It can even make the most mundane task awesome. It makes the awesome. dishes awesome. Oh, it's so good. So that's my recommendation that's great. for folks. I'll have to at work the other day. I wanted like Christmas music in the background. Yeah. And, you know, I usually put instrumental because I don't want to listen to too much singing. Yeah. And uh, I just put in YouTube like Christmas I think I put in Christian Christian Christmas instrumentals, or maybe I just put in like Christian yeah. instrumental music, and it was like ding 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 oh, ding ding no. ding ding ding, and I was like, that is, I want like orchestra music. Oh, so then you had to refine refine my search yeah, to orchestra music. I don't want something that sounded like the third grade class <laughs> made it on their little plastic piano. Yeah, but no, I'll have to give that one a listen. It's good stuff, and, you know. And and if I have a top three Christmas songs, have we done this? I think I'm, we talked about I'm this sure a long time have. ago. They've, they've adjusted a little bit. Um, my top three favorite Christmas song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, is still way up there. It's just... Did you see the movie? No, because here's the thing. I want to go right? see the movie, I think. I don't want to go see the movie. I want the movie to come to me. <laughs> oh, I, I'm I sure just, it will eventually. It will. And that's the thing. Like it, It's going to take a lot to get me to go pay $50 to see a movie right it now. It costs $50? Well, I mean, if you go with the family, yeah. Oh. You got to buy. All right. Well, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm you, not bringing my you're people. You're not bring your people. My people are like, no, thank you. You go by yourself. I would I would see. I want to see the movie because the story is is stunning. Yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's inspirational. It, yeah. It's an important story. Uh, I want to see that. I'm not going to pay for it, though. I'm sorry. Like, I just, I can't. If if It's got to be something pretty big and blow uppy to get me to go to the movies. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'll watch it when it's on when whatever streaming service it ends up on in the next few months. Because that's the thing, like the difference between theater and streaming is like two months now. Yeah, it's, it's not like really, you have to wait years. You don't have to wait like you used to. So I'll just wait. It'll come out on a streaming service at some point and I'll watch it then. I do want to see it, but I just don't want to, I don't want to go to it. I'll wait you. for it to come to me. Um, but that's that's probably still my number one. Um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel mm-hmm. is, is easily top list. three. And I wonder as I wonder has come to become number three or in the top three for me. It is just melodically gorgeous and um, theologically rich. It's just, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Wow. So yeah, two of them, two out of three ain't bad for this album. So it's I'll there it or Come That Long Expected Jesus is also good. This It's only one of the three for me. Come that long expected Jesus, good song. Yeah. Only two verses though. Well. Could have come up with more verses, is all I'm saying. I don't I, I get to work on that, Jess. That's your job now. For the, until next year. We want two more of like 
high quality hymn verses to come from Jess Kilduff to add to come that long expected Jesus. No, that's why I like the version that I listened to. Something Andrews. Andrews. Some... Julie Andrews? Nope. Oh. Elizabeth. Meredith. Meredith, Meredith, Meredith Andrews. Andrews. Okay. I'm trying to picture the front of the album. All right, gotcha. It's Meredith. That hers, yeah. she, she wrote like a chorus that goes with it. That's oh, did she? about like the second coming it of good? Jesus. It's really good. Okay, because a lot of the choruses they add on to these hymns are pretty trashy. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. And All talking right. about like the yearning of the current church. Oh, man. So it, I like, preached it, on yearning the other it, day. It pairs well with it. So yearning is a good word. Yeah. Yearning is a word that we add. This is like, all right, two weeks ago. I don't remember when I pre. I had to preach for. Um, all of for, December is a swirl yeah. of preaching and sick kids. I had, yeah, it's, been, it's been rough. Um, I had to preach for Tim on uh, Saturday night in Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Because he was sick. Yeah. And so I jumped in for him and I, we were preaching on um, the. I can't even remember which passage this was now. Oh, my gosh. We're in Matthew. I know that. But I can't remember which. I think it's the end of Matthew 1. Anyway, we talked about yearning. Mm -hmm. It's a good word, man. We don't use it very much. Mm -mm. I like the word yearning. We should use it more. I'll do my best. Get to work. <laughs> use that in your vocabulary. All right. Let's get to work. Today, we continue our series through the essentials of the faith. And... Um, it, <laughs> Talking about salvation today, which feels really appropriate for the Christmas season. Yeah. Um, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. So let's talk about salvation a little bit. And um, also, I, I'm going to do that. I did this in the daily that came out today as well. All right. It'll come out tomorrow, actually, the daily where I talk about this. I just want to give a very quick advertisement because uh, in a couple days, Wednesday night and then Thursday night is Blue Christmas. Yes. And um, we were talking about yearning. We were talking about the these songs that are more adventy and waiting. Man, Blue Christmas is an important service mm -hmm. that I really hope people take advantage of. It is uh, for a lot of people been a tough year um, on the back of a tough year on the top of back of a tough year. Like it's, <laughs> it's been a series of tough years, and even though like a lot of good things has happened for a lot of people, yeah. even if you've had a great year, there have been some hard parts about that year. Yeah, and. Um, the blue Christmas service gives us space to really express that pain and that, um, that sorrow before the Lord and receive comfort. That is what the Christmas story is supposed to bring is a comfort that God doesn't abandon us. He's with us. That's why he sent Jesus to dwell among us. And yeah. so, um, blue Christmas service, seven o'clock in Montgomery on Wednesday night, and then seven o'clock in beacon on Thursday night with a little small reception afterwards. So have you ever been to a blue Christmas service? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't go every single year, but I do try to go most years. Yeah. I've probably been to like six of them. I've only been to a couple. Um, I, I went to one in 2020. Because I was like, this should be a requirement for all people in 2020 to go to. to He'll be Blue taking Christmas. attendance to make wow. sure that you've gotten what you need here. Yeah, this is a vital experience. And it was so impactful for me that I'm yeah. like, we need this in Beacon. So yeah. that's why we added the Beacon service in 21 and kept it going for 22. And it's just, uh, it's even if you feel like, hey, this has been a pretty good year, man, to acknowledge the pain of the year in the Christmas season is so, yeah. so good. Um, what's your favorite part of Blue Christmas? Uh, I just like the, not somber isn't the right word, but like yeah. the, uh, what's the word? 
this we've been listening to obviously we've talked about it a hundred times yeah the little house on the prairie and they use the word sober a lot yeah but like it's just a very like sober service it's just very like what you need Mm -hmm. it's it's not there's there's just not a lot of extra there's not a lot of like the the fluff and the emotion that like happy that you try to bring out at Christmas. Like it's the most wonderful. It sometimes is terrible. Sometimes it hurts. And there's, it is, it can simultaneously be the most wonderful time of the year and also a very difficult time. So I think like, it's just something that's, it's just a, I don't know. It's quiet. Yeah. I think sober is the right word. I think that's a great word for that service. It's sober without being depressing. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you can go to a blue Christmas service and you come out feeling worse than you did. Yeah. It's not like you go there and like (laughs) life is so terrible and everything is going wrong. But I just feel like it's just like sober, inspirational, like you just a little like it's it's okay. Yeah. It's It's, really creates space to acknowledge that some things are hard. Yeah. And you just we need that space sometimes. So that's that's this week. And I just wanted yes. to make sure that barring anything this. happening in my family, I will be there. Yeah, I, I'll probably be at both. I mean, I'll obviously I'll I was do gonna the, say you, you better go to the one in Beacon. In Beacon. <laughs> you know, John's gonna be over in Beacon preaching. I'll do the music. Um, I'm not sure if I'll have a part to play in the Wednesday one in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be there either way because it's just it's yeah. it's a beautiful time. There will be communion and um there will be the lighting of the candles today ends with silent night and candles mm-hmm. just the same way christmas eve does so beautiful time all right let's get into the essential of the faith for today that is salvation is why jesus came was to save us and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means um mrs jessica Kilduff. yes would you do me a favor yes would you read essential number four for absolutely. us absolutely Absolutely. All right. Being estranged from God and condemned by our sinfulness, our salvation is wholly dependent upon the work of God's free grace. God credits his righteousness to those who put their faith in Christ alone for their salvation and therefore justifies them in his sight. Only such as are born of the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus Christ become children of God and heirs of eternal life. All right. That's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Let's take this bit by bit. I feel like all the rest of them, there's been things where like you can see where someone might disagree or like, yeah, that you know, like you could go off the rails. I feel like, how could you go off the rails with this? I, are there, I, are, are you going to teach me? <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's ways you can go off the rail. I, th- I just think that this is the essential that really makes us uncomfortable every single step of the way. Yeah. Like, because, well, let's just go through them. And I think okay. I will we'll highlight like, this is a hard thing to believe. It's true. It's essential to believe this, to be mm-hmm. saved, but it's not comfortable to believe this. Oh, yeah. Like there's... Com- comfort. Yeah, there's... Is there's not the word. Yeah, there's pain in this as well as profound joy. So both mm-hmm. those things are true. All right. Being estranged from God and condemned by our sinfulness. Jess, you have a Bible anywhere near you over there? Oh, yes. There's yes. one across yeah. the table from me. It's not even across. It's in the middle of the table. You kind of have to reach. That wasn't even a hard reach. You just moved reach. your arm although forward. You, although you should ask, how large wow. is the print oh, in this wow. little Bible? That is a tiny I have a phone print. with a Bible right, on yeah, it. Right. I can't read that one. All right. What so would let's, you like me to look at? That was um, <laughs> shockingly small. I, yeah. Wow. Uh, Ephesians 2 is where we want to go. Um, because I think that this essential is um, undergirded by this particular passage. Okay. Um, Any particular part of Ephesians 2? 
I'm just going to have you just read the entire thing. No, I'm, you're no, not. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, just read for us. Um, let's go just one through three. Just right. verses one through three. One through three. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, follow, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in in the son of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But all right. God... All right. okay. Don't get the good news oh, yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I... I, I didn't see the four because it's so small. <laughs> it's your own phone. Just I know. grow the font a it, little it, bit. It, it, is there a setting you can grow I, the font? Sure grow the is. font, man. Okay, anyway. All right. So um, here's the, this is the bad news, like being estranged from God and condemned by our sinfulness in the way that Ephesians described this, dead in our trespasses yeah. and sins. And, and this language is brutal, man. We are... Um, living in the passions of our bodies, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature, children of wrath. Like, yeah. that's a that's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for people. I mean, do you run into people, everyday folks, just non, non-believers, not Christians, you, you work in a non-Christian environment, right? I don't. I don't really, though. <laughs> I mean, my, I, I do, like, you work in a secular environment. I work in a secular office, but I think everybody there is a Christian. Well, that's kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, all right. But so I'm saying I, I, I don't, I don't come into contact other than like at school events and things like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't With either. a lot of. I'm actually trying to do more of this, being in contact with people who aren't Christians. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I just started. Out, out um, different circles. Yeah. I, I just started. Uh, not really coaching, but kind of being an assistant to the coach. Like I'm not an assistant coach. I'm an assistant to the coach right. um, of my daughter's basketball team. She started You're a um, helper, parent helper. I'm a helper. Um, so my daughter started a, uh, a in a basketball league. It's a Catholic basketball league, and so she jumped in. And um, I don't know. Maybe he's a Christian. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm gonna get to know that over yeah. the next. But I'll be you know working with kids and working with their parents a little bit and get to know folks. And um, you know, but but this is a hard thing, I think, for people to believe that they are at root fundamentally by nature, scripture says. Right, like against God. Children of wrath? Yeah. Like that's intense. And I think people might have just kind of agreed, yeah, I'm a sinner in previous generations. Do you see that no. today? Now I feel like people are, you know, like I'm a, I'm fundamentally good, but if some if if or like everybody, especially oh, I'm not going to even go there. But I feel like that when you look at children and people will say that like children are fundamentally good yeah. until adults in their brokenness mess them up, and that just is totally against everything that Scripture teaches. You know, even your sweet sweet little baby is a yeah. child of wrath. I'll be honest, um, when my firstborn was born holding her in the hospital was the first time i questioned total depravity the first time i did it because i'm holding this brand new infant like five minutes old mm -hmm. and i'm going i actually thought this a sinner like an object of god's wrath just felt completely 
Like two days later, I got it. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't take long, <laughs> doesn't take long I'm like, for, oh. this, for the sinful nature to say, I'm right here. <laughs> but like in that moment, like, yeah, it does, it's like, yeah. you're going to say that little baby is an object of God's wrath, a yeah. child of wrath. It's like, well, yes. Yeah. I'm not saying broken people saying. don't break people. I'm not saying that like right. we don't mess mess kids up or mess other people up. But certainly like there is something fundamentally at the in the nature of being a right. human that puts you against like you and your desires against yes. the desires of God's heart. And, and it's not, it wasn't meant to be that way. Like we right. weren't designed to be fundamentally at odds with God. It is because of our sinfulness. Right. We, we chose this. So this is um, the doctrine of federal headship, right? We don't use that language very often, but um, Adam is our federal head. He is the representative of all humankind all in the garden. So when he when he sins, I sin, you sin. Um, so you know when we talk about original sin and federal headship, total depravity, and all these things, what we're saying is very literally, um, I committed the sin in the garden. I'm guilty of that original sin. So original sin isn't just the doctrine that I'm born sinful. It's that I'm guilty of what Adam did in the garden. That's the original sin that I am guilty of. And that means I could live my whole life perfect, never sin, never do anything wrong, and still die and go to hell because I'm guilty of that original sin in the garden. Yeah, but you're also not capable of not sinning. I'm not capable. But theoretically, if somebody did... Like Jesus. No, but Jesus oh, isn't guilty of no. original sin. Like, that's, that's the true. whole point. He's yeah. not... He's of a. He's the second Adam. He's yeah. not born with that original sin appended to him. I am. So, you know, because there are people who say, well, what if you live a perfect life? You can't. It, you still die and go to hell. Even if you were able to pull that off, you don't go to heaven based on your own righteousness. Right, but you can't. Because you're born with original sin. Right, but you can't because you have sin. Yeah, I know, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> it is. No, but I'm saying like before you sinned, you had sin. Yes. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the sinfulness that we are born with is an actual historic moment in time. Okay. It's not a theoretical sinfulness. You are not born just with the potential to sin. You, you are born. The moment my daughter was born, she was born having sinned in Adam. Mm -hmm. So what we can get, this is the doctrine of original sin that can get messed up. We can get to a place where like, well, original sin is the disposition towards sin, or it is a propensity to sin, or the potentiality for sin. No, original sin is a thing that happened in the garden that you're guilty of. I'm guilty of what Adam did. And that takes away any kind of subjective goodness. Mm -hmm. I can be a really good person. I can be a great person. If I die guilty of what Adam did, I go to hell. Mm -hmm. That's the original sin that Jesus has to pay for. It's not just that he has to pay for the things I've done. It's not just my sin nature that's a result of what Adam did. That thing that is unchangeable in the past that I'm guilty of had to be paid for by somebody. And I think when we quickly go to a place of like, well, I sin because I have a sin nature, we can mess up what original sin means. We are estranged from God and condemned by our sinfulness. Well, what's our sinfulness? It's what Adam did in the garden that then produces in us a sin nature. And if, if we divorce our sin nature from that thing that Adam did that I'm actually guilty of, we can get into all sorts of weirdness. 
where people are, um, and this is where, where the reformed can get off. Like we can really veer off. Mm-hmm. We can start saying things like, um, people are um, always bad or people are always evil. Well, it's really hard to say that when there are really nice, good philanthropic atheists out there. Right. Sometimes they're really good people, but really good people go to hell. Right. And that's... Because you don't go to heaven by being really good. Right. It's not based on your righteousness. That's why I'm saying if I theoretically lived a perfect life, I still go to hell because I'm guilty of what Adam did. I can't get there on my own righteousness. It must be an imputed righteousness. It must be Christ's righteousness. Mm -hmm. So even if I grant the theoretical impossibility of the sinless life, I'm still guilty. And that's what original sin gets at, which is why the next phrase, our salvation is wholly dependent upon the work of God's free grace. I can't undo what Adam did. Right. Only God can. Only God can. And he does that in Christ. It's an act of free grace, which is part of the Reformed kind of hallmark. Right. We talked about the solas a while back. Mm -hmm. Um, Free grace given to you. Nothing you can do can save you. Um, How does it, is that a comfort to you? Is that a frustration to you? Like, how do you receive that phrase that your salvation is wholly dependent upon the work of God's free grace? Oh, no, I don't think that that's frustrating. I think that's wonderful. I could, because it makes it that it's not something that I had to do. Like, God's free grace is a gift. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I can't, it's not like I, asked for it. And God's like, well, okay, if you really want it that bad, I'll give it to you. Yeah. And because I didn't do anything to get it, I can't do anything to lose it. Right. Right. I think that's the big piece, right? Yeah. You know, I can't do anything to lose it. I, I grew up in a tradition. Um, well, I grew up in a tradition that fought about whether or not you could lose it. Right. Right. This was the, it was a, it was always a back and forth. I, I was in the camp of, uh, they call it once saved, always saved. Um, eternal security is the language that's used around this a lot. These are very Baptist words. Um, you don't hear us talk about this much in the Reformed tradition, although we would affirm to an extent what they mean by that. It's just a different way of thinking about things. Right. But it was always a debate with people who believed you could lose your salvation. Um, and it, that, that, that belief does go kind of contrary to what Paul's saying, right? Right. Like if you really had it. Yeah. It's yours. It's yours. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Like if you are really saved, you are saved. That's it. It's done. You're sealed right. by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Like a, nobody can unseal you. That's the point right. of the seal. Um, you know, Jesus would say that you are in my hand and you are in my father's hand. It's this like double holding right. the, or triple if you include the Holy Spirit in there, which is implied the triune God holding on to you until the day of redemption, which is the last day when he comes and, and redeems yeah. all things. Um that's pretty secure. Like <laughs> yeah. nobody can take you from my father's hand, Jesus said. Yeah. I, it's a pretty all-inclusive statement there. Nothing, nobody, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus is what Paul would say. And and so this, this idea that we are given salvation by free grace means that we are sustained in our salvation by free grace, um, which is why we can with confidence go before the throne of grace with our sins and confess and say, we messed up, please forgive me and be confident 
that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins right. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I, you know, and I'm layering just, a lot of Bible verses right. in there on purpose. But like, yeah, he's not just going to be like, well, you're here again about yeah. that. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, this I'm is... working on it. Yeah, I, I've been I've been forgiving you for a while. I need you to, like, you know, go run in a circle for a minute before I do... No, he's not going to do that. He's like, yeah. I forgive you grace upon grace upon grace is what we receive in Christ. And it's because of his righteousness, not our own. That's how right. this continues, right? God credits his righteousness to those who put their faith in Christ alone for their salvation and thereby justifies them in his sight. So you are declared um, forgiven, no longer guilty, because Christ takes his righteousness and places it on you. It's a uh, theologian's use of the word. Uh, we use the word alien here. It is an alien righteousness, an outside righteousness placed on you. But here is where it gets uncomfortable again. Mm-hmm. He credits his righteousness to those who put their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. That's, yes, not works, but it's right. only in Christ. And then doubles down in the essential, only such as are born of the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus Christ, become children of God and heirs of eternal life. We believe as Christians in eternal life and eternal death. This is... Um, it's not explicitly described here in the essentials an idea of an eternal hell, which mm-hmm. leaves a little wiggle room in the essentials, but the Westminster standards pretty clear. And yeah. again, don't forget the end of the essentials we get. These essentials are set forth in greater detail in the Westminster confession of right. faith. This is not a replacement. This is an, a, an addition mm-hmm. because of historical things that were going on that are going to bore you. And I want to get into, um, but only, that exclusive claim is incredibly uncomfortable in the West in 2022. And the question I want to ask is um, maybe a question that other parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles are wrestling with. Mm-hmm. How do you teach your kids this doctrine of the exclusive salvation we have in Christ, that it is only in him Cause that's that's hard. Cause our kids are in public school, man. Yes, like they're they are. they're making friends with people who aren't Christians. Like, how do you walk your kids through this doctrine? I mean, I think it's walking your kids through it for themselves as well. You know, it's not yeah. just for the people around them, but it's I I think maybe the easiest way is for them to see like your brokenness and for them to see like in their worlds, you're like maybe besides a grandparent, like the most perfect person, you know what I mean? Mm, And so I think when they're like, Oh, my mom really needs to be safe. Like she's terrible. (laughs) And so I think just like that reality of, of like, even who they would <laughs> who they would think like if yeah. if they could vote who would be like the person of course you would be saved yeah. and, you know or like you you don't need to be saved that much cuz you're like you said like cuz you're so good but like no even the best person that you could picture is still so far from god and so yeah. needing god and so i think helping frame that so that like even when they're at school 
and they they see the nice the nice kids and like well how could god not love them well they're against god yeah. until he calls them to him yeah. and so they lay all need god and um i don't remember who i was talking to once and they were you know having a hard time with you know a love with a god who a god who loves but doesn't love everyone or a god who loves that would send um you know pe- people to hell and i'm like it's just like you have parents who have children and you don't always like the choices your children are making and sometimes your children need punishment for the things that they're doing but you still love them you know what i mean like you so like you can't have justice and you can't have goodness if there is not there for also not goodness. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can't have a God who says this is the standard, but then have people who don't live up to that or who can't meet that. And for him to, well, that's okay. You can come to heaven right. anyway. Cause I'm nice. It's that's, that's just not, that's not real. Well, it's not, yeah, you're right. The word justice there is, is key. You know, he is a God of justice. He is a God of mercy as well. But the standard that we are held to is him. Right. Be therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. Like, I'm pretty sure I, I think that's maybe he keeps going after that. Let me double check that before I say that's how he ends okay. it. I think that's how he ends Seven. No, it's earlier in the sermon. He doesn't end it that way. That would have been a pretty dramatic way to end it, though. Wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I think it's at the I, I think end of five. Yes, he it's probably the end didn't of five. mess it up. He does two more, um, two more chapters worth of the sermon afterwards. But this is, this is what he's saying. He's going through these like, I want you to, um, you know, don't be taking oaths, don't get divorced, don't retaliate against people when they're violent against you, love your enemies. Da, 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 da. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He is the standard. Right. And no one lives no up one to that. No one meets that standard. Yeah. No, zero people. This is why we need Christ's righteousness given to us, not our own righteousness, right? Because nobody can meet that standard except God. Right. Jesus is God. Therefore, he meets that standard, and we need his standard-meeting righteousness to be given to us. Right. And, and this is the... There's a couple different ways I, I, I approach this. Um, I think the thing that I'm trying to teach my kids is um, our sin put us on a, tra- a collision course trajectory with God's justice. Right. That's when we sinned, the response to sin is justice because sin is an injustice. It is a an affront to God's holiness and sin always damages others. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is something that takes place in the garden. When Adam and Eve sin, they damage each other. And you see that immediately in the way that they respond to God. And that damaging of each other then cascades down into future generations where we damage one another over and over and over again. There is always a victim to sin, even if we victimize ourselves. And God loves people. He loves his creation. And therefore, just like you would stand against someone who's going to victimize your kid. He puts himself against those who victimize his children. Well, guess what? We are all God's creations. So when we victimize one another, God's justice is required to respond. That's purely out of love. 
And then when you bring his glory into view, how much more will he respond in jealousy for his glory and his holiness and his majesty by responding against sin with justice? So our sin puts us on a collision course with justice. I don't think I'd go through all of that with my eight-year-old, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, the fact that he created a way to, for salvation at all as a profound act of mercy and grace. Right. Right. So I mean, imagine you're in a room that's on fire and someone opens the door so that you can get out. It would be the height of stupidity to say, I'm good. One door? <laughs> Just one? Right. What? You could have opened six more doors. Why did you only open the one door? No, you're on fire. Go through the door. Yeah. Right. Like it's, I think that's biggest struggle in our culture right now is getting people to see that they're on fire. Right. Like go through the door. There is a way for salvation and you're sitting there asking why there weren't more than one given. Yeah. He gave one, take it. And, and I think that's part of the, um, part of the work of the evil one. Part of what Satan has done is said, Hey, um, God's giving you, given you a door. Maybe he gave you more than one. Right. What kind of a God would only give you one way out of the room? What? What? The room's on fire. You're on fire. Right. Go through the door. Like it's, right. it's, or it's like what kind of God would ignore all the great things that you, such a good person, does? Yeah. You know, like certainly that counts for something. You pour. You you had a you had a water bottle that you poured on the fire. He's right. not going to give you credit yeah. for pouring <laughs> water on the. No, because yeah. the room's still on fire. You're on fire. He didn't put the fire out. You just threw some water on it. Praise God. Thank you for putting water on it. Right. But go through the door. Because the one who's actually going to take care of the fire, all of the sin, all of the injustice, all of the terrible things in the world, the one who's actually going to put out the fire is God, not you. He does that in his glory, in his power. And and your way to be rescued is walk through the door he's given you. I am the door, Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Go through. Go through Christ into the... I mean, that's the picture of Hebrews, is you go through the curtain, which is his flesh. Really gross picture of literally walking through flesh, mm-hmm. torn, bloody flesh, into the Holy of Holies where you'll worship God. We have to go through Christ. And, and that exclusive claim of Christianity is one that we cannot downplay just because it's really unpopular and uncomfortable. It is. Like, I, I don't like having to say, yeah, you have to go through Jesus Christ to be saved to somebody who's given their life to another faith. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Well, it's like, it's, but it's true. Yeah. And same with the kids in there, you know, like, yeah, you'll go to hell. Your friends will, you know, like, I, I, I don't know what to say other than this is truth. And I hope that someday you take that truth for yourself. And the same as your friends, you know, like, is, you know, being an example and, you know, they can't know about God unless someone talks to them about, you know what I mean? Like God uses you to introduce himself to others and you never know who that will impact or when that impact will come to fruition. Yeah. You know, like Pastor John will talk about in college, the girl that always hounded him and he's like, leave me alone. <laughs> and that, you know, like if, if he could contact her now and for her to see like his decades of faithful service to God yeah. to be like, huh, I never thought that that would be possible. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you, well, you don't know. And that's a great example. I never thought that would be possible, right? You know, one of the things that we miss in the um, in the Christmas story sometimes is who these wise men are that come from the East. 
um, they're astrologers coming from the east. We can probably like it is a bit of an educated guess, but it's educated. Um, probably Zoroastrian astrologers from the Iran region of the world is where they're probably coming from. Wise men, astrologers who have access to things like frankincense, myrrh, and gold, you're probably looking, in my view, at Zoroastrian clergy. You're looking at the wise men in the Zoroastrian faith. This is a false faith that has astrology and and, um, kind of a dualistic good versus evil locked in an eternal battle type of a view of things. Here you have these wise men from the East, Zoroastrian clergy, coming over, and when they meet Christ, what do they do? They fall down and worship him. Who would have thought that clergy of a false faith are going to encounter Christ and fall down and worship? They did it when Jesus was like two. Right. He can still do it now. Absolutely. Like just because you're the people that you love are following a different faith doesn't mean that Christ can't transform them and have them fall on their faces before Christ. He mm-hmm. does it all the time. Right. It's not it's not up to you to do anything except right. share share your faith, share your God, well, and share your experience. This is going to sound so sentimental and schmaltzy, but so be it. <laughs> there was a sign that led them to the manger. Mm-hmm. Like they followed a star, right? There was something pointing at, hey, this one down here is who you come worship. Yeah. Like that's our function as Christians. We, we play that kind of star-like role of pointing to the manger. We get to be the star now. We don't get to be the one in the manger. We're the arrow pointing right. and saying, hey, this is the one you worship to. And and so I think that's part of what this salvation essential is getting us at is, is we have a function to play here. This is true. Only those. It, it, it's supposed to be exclusive. It's supposed to be uncomfortable because it's supposed to get us working. Only such as are born of the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus Christ become children of God and heirs of eternal life. If that's true and we are convinced that it is, it ought to get us on mission. That there's a, the purpose of the church is the right worship of God. The mission of the church is to make disciples who then worship God, right? That's, that's what we do. We worship and then we make disciples to become worshipers. Right. We ought to be about that work if this is true. If hell is real, and it is, and if the only way to escape the room that's on fire is Christ, then we need to be that arrow, that star right. pointing. The door people. is right here. It's right here. Hey, yeah. everybody, look. Mm-hmm. And that's our function. And it's it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And yes, it means having to share your faith with people. And I get that that's hard and uncomfortable. It's why we want to have more evangelism trainings to teach people how to do this. Mm-hmm. But man, it's not not an option. It's not like oh, some people do evangelism. Oh, like if, if, if you found the door and walked through it, why don't you tell the other people where it is? Right. So, um, yeah, that's anything in the essential that we missed that you want to highlight anything you're like, Oh, we didn't talk about that. And I have a question or we need to lean into that. Nope. Ah, I tried to trick you. (laughs) I tried instead of asking, I did actually look to see. Yeah. I, I just, I always ask, Hey, is there anything, you know, do you want any last words for people? And you, you never say yes. So I tried to trick you into it by, you know, pointing it. No, he's still. You want, fine. I'll come up with something. Because I was thinking about it before, but it might be long and you can just say we'll talk about it on another episode. Okay. So in end times 
talkings. Oh, wow. All right. Here we go. And, you know, like, oh, and you'll be standing there with God and looking at, you know, the real of your life and all of the times that you sinned against him. Right? So this is like a common picture that's painted at end times. But in this, it says that you're justified in his sight. So. Yeah. So. Talk to me. How many times were you told that as a kid? I, I'm not sure that I was ever told. I, d- I don't think I was ever told no, that. No, you didn't get that? Oh, no, because I grew up in a Presbyterian church. But I think that there's enough in Christian culture, in Christian movies and TV and, you know, snow camps or, you know, what, whatever. You know, like when you're when you're mingling with other Christians. I had somebody tell me. That it comes up. I had somebody tell me once when I was a, a teen. Um you know where it says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eye? It's because he's shown you all the sins in your life and you're weeping over them. Oh. And I was like, like that's... That's a use of that. Bro. <laughs> um, it's all nonsense. Okay. When you are justified... I mean, th- this is the teaching of Scripture. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. Right. Right. It's not like he's going to pull them up later. Yeah. To remind a, to remind you of of what all he saved you from. It's literally a non-existent place. <laughs> as far as the east is from the west, there is no such place. That's right. the point. He's another picture. He cast your sins to the depths of the ocean. Right. It, the point of all of this is to say your sins are gone. Right. They're gone. There is no real because they're gone. They've been covered. You now stand in the righteousness of Christ, justified, acquitted, no longer guilty before Christ. When you stand before the throne in Christ's righteousness, any real that would play would be the life of Christ right. and his righteousness. Right. It's, it's blank <laughs> of anything that sin. you've done. Right. I, I don't know where we come up with these bizarre, scare tactic things <laughs> to get kids to believe in Jesus. It's really good news. Why do we have to? All right. Why did you do this? You, <laughs> this, this is why I didn't did this do this. You did this just on purpose. <laughs> this is why I didn't do this mid-episode because I knew it would hijack uh, you. <laughs> but you you asked for it at the end. I did. And I knew that this is... that's. A, it was right in there, and that's some not yeah. The gospel is, <laughs> is beautiful enough. enough. We don't have to add these really weird scare tactic things to try and convince. Like you don't need a reel to play at the end of your life to remind you of how good God is. Y- yeah, like. That's the thing that we can get messed up with our gospel presentations is we can so emphasize somebody's sinfulness that we forget at the end. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's the beauty of Christ. Uh, No, like, make Christ everything. He's glorious. He's beautiful. He's majestic. If if people really, like, get x-rayed by the glory of Christ, they're going to see their sin and repent. Right. That's how, like, you don't get a whole lot of the... um, uh, this is going to sound, uh, let me finish my statement before you reject. <laughs> All right. And that's not just for you. That's for the okay. listener. You don't get the the fire and brimstone preaching in the New Testament all that much. It's not a, here's all the awful, terrible things that you are. It's, here's how glorious Christ is. Now, because you see that, it's pretty clear that you fall short, right? Right. Like, because of the the glories of Christ, now you take stock of your life and say, oh, I don't match. 
All right, true. How do you get there? You need Christ's righteousness placed on you by grace mm -hmm. through faith. Like that's the order of operations. Make Christ glorious. Don't just make someone feel awful for their sin and right. then go, oh, well, there's good news. Well, yeah, it is make it, God glorious. He is. Right. The difference of like, well, it's not that you can't die without God. It's that you can't live without him. Like you can't live right. in this life separated and apart from him and, you know, with your heart pitted against him. It's, it's, it's Romans one, right? We, when we talk about Romans one, we always go to like this laundry list of sin and awfulness starting in verse 18. But Romans one doesn't start in verse 18. <laughs> There's 17 other verses and it's not just introduction included in this introduction. It's stunning. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was ascended from David, or descended from David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. Christ. That's his dear Romans. <laughs> we start there. Yeah. Then you get to like quite a few verses later, the wrath of God is revealed against uh, from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. Get the order right. right. Glory of Christ. Make that the primary thing and allow the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. I'm not saying don't talk about sin. I'm not saying don't talk about hell. I'm just right. saying if that's 90% of what you talk you're about. You're not going to scare people into salvation. You're not. Not, not real salvation. You're not. Just, just point people to Jesus. Let him be beautiful and glorious. Then the Spirit will get to work on people's sin. Want to ask me if I have anything left anymore? No, we're done. <laughs> this has been uh, season something, episode something. What are we in? This is I, season 15, Season 11. Right? No, season 11? Right? Isn't that what our kids are? That's how I remember. <laughs> is this only season 11? I think so. I thought this is season 12. I don't know. Should I look? I'm going to look right, while, while look. people are listening. I like, think it's season. I'm going to guess. I think it's season 11, episode 15 or 16. But I, I mean, 15. I know, I know we've blown by the, uh, 10, <laughs> the whole 10 episode, episode whatever. Yeah, we we're just going to keep going. That. It's going to be, there are going to be seasons that were all like 10 episodes and yeah. nice. And then it's going to be season 11 that never oh, man. ended. It's season 13. Oh, you said 11. I said 15. It was right smack dab in the middle. <laughs> this is season 13 and this is episode 11. We, we, we have gotten cow. that far past. Yes. Episode 10 was the Holy Spirit. It's 11 on salvation. Okay. We did it. Good Season job. 13, episode 11. We'll see you again next week. Right back here at Google Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DeMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci and Jeff DeMatti. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week.